on the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute that millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast. We're delighted to say we're joined by our first ever major winner on the podcast. He's the 2005 US Open winner. What a week to actually have you on the podcast. Michael Campbell, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, pleasure. Pleasure, guys. How are you? So with, uh, we're obviously here at Seapoint Golf Links for the Irish Legends Tour event. You've got a, a good relationship with golf in Ireland. How's, how's the game at the moment? Before yeah, you I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously now I'm 54. Um, so I'm categorized as an old man uh, a little <laughs> bit now. I feel like it. Um, I've been lucky to have a great career, you know, winning, I think, 15 times around the world and including a major championship and a world match play and, and two Irish events, uh, the Irish Open at uh, Port Marnock and also the K Club, the European Open. So, you know, my, my career has been pretty good, you know, uh, but it's great to be back in Ireland. It's been a while. I can't remember the last time I've been back here. It's been a long, long time and um, playing this, uh, the course uh, yesterday and the day before. Um, great little golf course. I love the finish here. 16, 17, 18. That 17th hole is my favorite. Oh, it's great. It's really good. It's uh, it's kind of similar to um, Port Marnock. The 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 final final few stretch. There's a was it 12 there? The part yeah, that's there. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is too. And then obviously on 16th tee, you can see um, a bell tray, yeah. and uh, which I played uh, many years ago. When uh, so uh, it's it's been a good um, you know it's been, it's been a good good career. I've been pro now for 30 something years and. Uh, I took a sabbatical, you could say, for eight years away from the game in 2012 and started playing again in 2020. Well, through COVID, but it was, uh, but yeah, it's been a, a really nice, uh, nice, uh, nice career the last uh, 25 years or so. So, how's the game at the moment? Well, it's a little bit different. Um, and the reason why I'm here, uh, I'm playing on the Legends Tour, is because I love competing. Uh, that's the bottom line. It gets me out of bed uh, in the morning and, um, playing against my old friends uh, or foes, you could say, uh, <laughs> over those years. So it's nice to see them. It's um, The intensity is not as, as much as it was when I was playing on, on tour. It's uh, very relaxed and friendly. And yes, we want to go there and win. Obviously, that's why I'm here. I'm not yeah. here to finish second or top 10. I want to win. And uh, I haven't won yet, um, but um, I can feel that it's trending in the right direction right now with... Uh, I've been working pretty hard, my coach in America. So um, you know, I want to win again. So that's one thing I, I really enjoy is just holding it, holding the trophy at the end. It's probably fairly relaxed until it gets to the business end, and then it's you probably go straight back into you do. The, you the have that mode, that, 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 that competitive mode. I would say um, on the first tee tomorrow in the first round. You know, yes, it's it's relaxing and, and fun. We've seen the boys, but um, business end of the stick. You know, you want to go there and, and play again and win. What a what a place to win just down the road from where you won your Irish Open I, I, I know you've spoken before about how much you, you love Lynx golf was that the kind of golf that you grew up learning like what's what's Lynx golf is there much Lynx golf in New Zealand yeah yeah I mean I I grew up playing in the wind uh, in Wellington I think it's the second windiest city in the world okay apparently. so I love the wind uh, I've always been a, a shot maker and that's why I think I've done so well in the Opens you know I think I finished like a uh, a third, a fifth, a sixth, or 
something like that. They had a nice little run there of playing well in the opens. Mm. Um, so I, I'm I'm born to play this types of type of um, golf course, links golf courses, and where, where I grew up playing is quite a funny story. It's it was a farm and has sheep everywhere to keep the grass down, fences around the greens, and um, back in those days, my my dad was left-handed, so he chopped down the six iron for me, left-handed. And this I started playing and I, I couldn't afford tea, so I used to collect um, <laughs> dried up sheep shit to tear the, <laughs> to tear the ball up. Uh, and I used to put it in my pocket. Mum was fuming because every time she would do the washing, she could uh, <laughs> have all this you know, sheep shit in my pocket everywhere. So that's how I started. And, and then after about, um, so I was like probably eight years old then. And then um, I didn't like left-handed, so I Changed to right hand. I was going to say you don't play left handed. <laughs> no, uh, I play left handed because my dad played left handed um, golf. So that's... Would, you, would you back yourself around going left handed around with your buddies? Oh uh, no, <laughs> no, no chance. Because uh, after about eighteen months, I, I swapped over to right handed. So that's how it all developed. And and um, the course where I grew up playing was links. You know, it was windy and links, and it was like very undulating lies all the time. And so that's why when I get to a links golf course, I feel very comfortable because that's how it all started for me. I think 1995 is probably the the earliest introduction to for many golf fans to you on a global scale. Obviously, you turned pro a couple of years before that. Um, you got a couple of wins kind of on under your belts early on the other tours. What was that Open at St Andrews like? I mean, we've just kind of last year was obviously another Open at St Andrews. It's a special place. Everyone speaks about how how important to the game it is. What was that introduction like for you? Yeah, it was quite scary, really, because. Um you know, it was my first open. No, actually, my second one. My first one was in '94 um, in Turnbury. I missed the cut there, and but I loved the whole feel of of the open. It's just the biggest tournament in the world, in my opinion. And then uh, I qualified um, in '95, and going into it, I was playing quite nicely. I just finished second or third in the Scottish Open, which was played at Carnoustie. Um, can't remember who won. I think Wayne. Riley won actually okay. in Scottish Open '95, and so I was going into the, the Open quite in good form. I had my dad there, my girlfriend at the time, and my coach there, and we stayed at Dundee, which is like a normally like a half an hour drive, but because of the traffic, it was like a, an hour away. And uh, I remember playing with practice rounds with uh, VJ Singh and Steve Elkington and Craig Perry, and they just. I had no idea where to aim off the tee, as you know. If you play there, it's just a, a different beast or completely. And um, so I learned a lot uh, during the practice rounds. I went there on, on Sunday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, practice rounds. And then um, uh, shot, I think, 71 first round and another 71 or maybe, I can't remember exactly. Um, but that third round was, uh, I think I shot 65, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I was leading after three rounds by three shots. And that was uh, pretty daunting. Uh, been shunted into the the golfing lights, you could say of of um, you were in the spotlight pretty early. Yeah. yeah, golfing media, and that was a bit of a shock. I think um, it was it was it was the bunker shot on the road hole. Yeah, that, that was ex exploded. Yeah, cause yeah everyone, I, everyone really stood up and went, "Okay, this guy can play. <laughs> yeah, this guy can really play." Because I remember actually in the practice round, Craig Perry said to me, "Michael, uh, during the four rounds of of the tournament, you'll be in this bunker, guaranteed." Yeah. <laughs> so practice from it. So I did, and uh, yeah, he helped me out with a few things to to get up higher. And you know, as you go along in your journey in this in this beautiful game, you know you always learn off the best. You know, yeah. and I'm always asking questions. You know, 
all the guys, you ask them, you know, how do you, or how do you think on this whole, what do you think about putting, chipping, iron play, low shots, high shots, whatever's going to be. And um, so I'm always asking questions all the time. Yeah, I'm just paying it forward, you know, um, because I think the most important thing in golf is, is to have knowledge. Uh, that, that's power, you know, and uh, but obviously there's other stuff out there, opinions about the golf swing is not too good. But um, if you just um, be your own filter and, and take it as much as you want um, and just filter out what you want and keep and then discard the rest. And that's what I've done my whole career. You know, some guys tell me what to do with uh, what they do with the putting stroke or the bunker play, or whatever. I'll try it. I, get, I don't like it. Bin it. And then someone else will come along. Um, I mean, Payne Stewart, for example, gave me a little tip about bunker play. Oh, sorry, fairway bunkers. So I'm using that right now still. To and This is going back 25 years ago. Got some man to get a tip off of. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been fortunate enough to be, you know, uh, around these incredible golfers, you know, asking Jack Nicklaus about what he thought about, you know, what he did when he won all those majors and spoke to Tiger about that, Phil about pitching, Ernie about chipping, VJ about bunker play. So although it's an individual sport, which it is, obviously, we share our knowledge, you know, because it's just it's what we do. <laughs> it's what we do. And I'm doing that right now with, um, you know, I'm helping a few guys out here as well on the seniors tour. And because I, I want them to see, I want them to, to play well. And um, that's one thing I, I got from this this game is that although we're playing as individuals, we um, want to help each other. Just to wrap up the the Open Championship, there you obviously finished T three in the end. Disappointment not to get the win, but a, a a milestone definitely in your career. What did you take away from that? Like it was the big one that you um, can't compete. I wasn't ready okay. uh, mentally. I mean, my swing didn't change. But the connection from my brain to the, my muscles didn't work, so that uh, that pathway was blocked <laughs> by um, not having the, not being strong enough mentally, the mental fortitude, as they say. Um, I didn't have enough tools, mental tools, in my toolbox to to fight off the demons because we all have demons when we're out there playing. Um, so I learned a lot about myself, really, and I think that paved the way for me to win. I mean, you were only 22, 22 23, were you? Early, very early 20s. 26, actually. Are we 26? Yeah. You're over the hill at that point then. Yeah, yeah, yeah 26. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just knew I wasn't ready to win a major, so I had to work on it. So that's when I started reading, um, employing a psychologist and reading books about the mental part of the, of the game. Um, and, you know, reading one of, the, one of the books I really enjoyed reading was uh, by Bruce Lee. Um, can't remember the name of the book. Uh, Zen and the Martial... Zen and the martial arts or something. And it goes on about how when they used to um, fight and stuff like that, how the, the, the geez, it's like the energy of your, of your body is like water, you know, and um, how it flows through your body and, you know, the, the whole thing about filling that cup up with all the positive energy, um, which is your mind, which overflows with positive energy. So negative, no negative energy gets into or thoughts get into there. Um, I've read uh, Louise Hay books, um, you know, self-help books, you know, all sorts of things. And that's where it kind of like, you know, uh, came into fruition really for me in 2005. I used every single, you know, thing I, I learned through psychology, uh, through books and stuff like that. So it was just a, one, of those, one of those weeks where everything came together. 
it seems like Wyndham Clark kind of employed a similar type of strategy, mentally anyway. Um, I just saw that on Instagram, you, you wish some congratulations there. I remember I was after the Friday round, the th- round mm. two, he spoke about his three goals, which were one, stick to your process, two, play cocky, and three, remember goals one and two. Um, it, it, he seems to really be in a pretty strong mental place like like yourself. Oh, you have to be. You have to be. Because he's always going to be that um, this self one, self two talk, you know, all the time. And you've got to block out the, the negative thoughts. You ask any golfer, any athlete at a high level, there's always going to be that self-doubt. And it's all about, you know, an account system. You've got to outweigh the, the negative thoughts by 100 times to perform at your best. It seemed like the the strong mental shape that you got yourself into really came to fruition kind of 2002, 2003 when you won European Championships and then the Irish Open. I mean, we're an Irish podcast. We had to talk about the 2003 of course, of course. Irish Open win at Port Marnock. You only entered that last minute. You said, I'm quoting you here, it was only after I changed my schedule to British Open last week and I managed to get my entry into play here at the very last minute. I changed my mind after discussing it with my coach and my wife while at the same time set myself new goals before time there. I had lost my focus. How, how would you lost your focus? And I mean, geez, what a time to regain it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what happened there, uh, funny enough, was uh, looking back now, it's funny. Uh, during the time it wasn't, but I uh, decided to take on my uh, PGA Tour card. So uh, the first, what, four or five months uh, before the Irish Open, I played in 12 events. Oof. And uh, missed 12 cuts. Wow. Yeah, so, and I thought, okay, this is not for me. Um, the environment... I'm not blaming the PGA Tour or America. It's just me. I didn't feel comfortable there. But I said to my, uh, as I said in my quote, that you know, I sat down with my team, my manager, and my my wife, and my coach, and my caddy. And I said, guys, I don't like it here. Let's move back. That's what happened. Because I was with my my kids on tour, you know, and uh, I was about thinking about shifting my whole family over to America. I even bought a house in the Bahamas. You know, I was ready to go. And I didn't even go to the house because I don't want. I wanted to just leave, and so I left. So after missing twelve cuts in a row, or maybe ten cuts, I can't remember exactly the number. Ten cuts in a row, I left. My first one in Europe was the Irish Open. <laughs> that that's an unbelievable turnaround. <laughs> firstly, because I mean, you shot eleven under, so it's not like you weren't playing well over in the PGA Tour, or may, maybe just the style of golf course suited you better. But you then headed into a three-way playoff against Thomas Bjorn, Peter Hedblom. Can you talk to, talk to us about that? Because you said in your own words, you shot one of the best shots of your career to, to win that. You stitched like an approach shot to like a foot. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, 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 a, what, a, what, what did that feel like? Just obviously off the back of the streak that you'd you know been going through and the form that you'd been going through. How vindicating did that feel? Um, it it kind of like cemented that I was... You made the right decision for sure. Yeah, exactly that. Also, that I'm still a pretty good golfer. <laughs> uh, it was a, a pure, a pure, purely a mental block uh, when I played in America and decided to move my whole family over to America. So that's when I thought, okay, it's not my place to be. So it's, Europe's going to be my my home now, which it has been for the last thirty years. How did that mental block change? Because, I mean, obviously then two years later, you go on win the US Open. It's at Pioneers, which, I mean, it plays firm and fast, and I'd say not a million miles away from Lynx Lynx off and what you might have grown up on in in New Zealand. Did that mental block change when you came to Pinehurst, or was it just a course that suited you? 
Well, once again, there's a story behind that. Okay. Because um, <laughs> you qualified for this. Yeah, La- uh, last minute. Yeah, last minute. Well, um, the reason why I went to the qualifying, it's a true story, because it's only like a half an hour drive from my house, Watton Heath. I lived in Brighton, and or 45 minute drive. And um, well, let me rewind here. So at the start of the year in 2005, um, I played like five or six events and missed five cuts in a row. I was shooting 80s, heading off the planet. And I said to my coach, I have to come over, mate, because this is horrendous how I'm swinging it right now. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a link between swinging it poorly and playing poorly and, and mentally as well. There's a mental attitude there as well that wasn't great. So I went to see my coach, I think it was around April maybe, and spent five weeks with him, grinded it out, and we found a, a golden nugget, I call it. And I used that, and then I went back to Europe and finished like top 10, top five. And it's like, wow, things changed around again. Complete turnaround. And then, and yeah, and then I, uh, my wife kicked me out of the house on, on the Monday morning. So said, another late end, another yeah, late, late call. <laughs> Last late entry. Yeah. Kicked me out of the house and said, look, you know, go, go and qualify at Walton Heath. I said, oh, I don't really want to, you know. I said, okay, I'll go. Then I'll go. My manager convinced me as well. He convinced me to, to go. So I went and um, I never forget playing with Steve Webster, the last hole. Uh, I knew that 400 was going to make the cut. And uh, Webby hits about 10 feet. I hit to nine feet on the last hole. And I had to move my marker because I was right in line of Webby's line. So I moved my marker uh, to the side and he hit his putt. Obviously, I watched it and he aimed right, right lip. It lipped out. So I moved my marker back, I aimed right center and went in. And I was the last person to qualify. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, As an aside, we'll come back to the US Open. How, how late did you commit to this event? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, it, was, it was pretty close. Okay. It was pretty close. Okay, well, <laughs> if we're going off of that form. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was pretty close. So, uh, so that happened and um, so I thought, okay. And that must have been funny when you went home. And your wife says, how'd you get on? <laughs> yeah, I'm after, <laughs> I'm after Megan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks I'll, for pushing I'll, me. Yeah, book yeah, your I, I actually thank her a lot then. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, trust me. Um, so, yeah, I went to America and uh, got there and I was putting poorly. So, I <laughs> another funny story. I, I got a, a belly putter, you know, back in those days. Mm. You put it, Anchor, yeah. So, and then my coach turns up. He goes, Camber, what are you doing? I said, oh, my putting's terrible. He goes, give me that putter. She grabbed it off me and threw it in the bin. <laughs> he said, you're not doing that. So we decided actually to go to a different golf course and worked on my putting for the whole day. In, in America? In America, okay. like half an hour drive. Um, it was called Pine Needles, actually. Oh, Pine yeah. Needles. Yeah, well, the Women's US Open was there exactly. last year. Yeah, Exactly. And because um, I was staying there as well. And uh, we worked on my putting for the whole day because that was the missing link between me playing you know really well because I was, I was striking the ball great short game was fantastic everything, everything was 10 out of 10 um apart from my putting so we fixed that and then uh, i played i played a practice round with uh once again me asking questions uh with vj singh and vj is a good friend of mine and he's hitting these spinning little bunker shots because that week uh, the the sand was quite grainy so my bunker shots were coming out too much spin. Okay. And he told me, now you got to do that and that and that. I thought, oh, that's nice. 
So that week uh, during the tournament, I hid in seven bunkers up and down six times and hold one. So this is what I'm talking about. I mean, those defining moments like that. Um, Just at the right time. At the right time. I mean, it was pure luck. I played with VJ. Did VJ ask for commission? No, (laughs) I sent a a, a dozen um, uh, champagne bottles, so he was happy with that. That's very good of you. But uh, you know, these things like that, and I always saw VJ on the on the driving range. I'd VJ, you want to play? Yeah, let's go and play. So if I didn't ask him, so you know, it's all the stars aligning. I don't know. It's all serendipity. Yeah. 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 Exactly. just with, before you went in, I know I, I heard, read somewhere that you were big on setting yourself little goals, even in your practice. Okay, I want to hit this many greens regulation. Is it true you like you gave yourself a goal that if you came to a certain position in the US Open, you were going to buy yourself a Porsche? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> so, Do you yeah. still have the Porsche? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, back in those days, you had a diary, right? A uh, uh, diary. And, and every week, you're right, every week I had a, a goal. Uh, it could be... I don't know, five minutes extra on the treadmill or, or could be uh, break 30 putts every round or could be hit 14 greens or 10 fail. I don't know. It, it, it varied every 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 week. And um, I'll never forget uh, flying from, uh, I think it was Gatwick to Pinehurst. I had to set a goal for myself. And I still got it actually uh, written down somewhere. Um, I said uh, something like top 10, a secondhand Porsche career too. Second hand, twenty mile. Uh, it was very Pacific. Uh, Pacific. It was twenty thousand miles. Maybe two thousand, two thousand and one. Um, silver. Yeah. Anyway, so I had these kind of like you know specs of, of my this this. You knew what you wanted. Yeah, yeah. only what I wanted. So what I did. But that year, Porsche was releasing a new. Um, was good on nine nine seven. Uh, same shape but mm-hmm. different model. So what I did on my golf war, I wrote nine nine seven. It's wow. like a dot, yeah, or whatever, or line. I put nine nine seven. That was your marker. That's my yeah. marker. And do you think do you think that helped you going through that you weren't thinking about oh I'm in the top ten or I'm in the five? I mean, no, I mean, contention. It's just like I want to get that Porsche, and it kind of took you away from. Yeah, the... I mean, uh, it's for me. It was like playing a game within a game. I mm. mean, I was just thinking about my my Porsche. So after after two rounds, I'm I'm in I think I'm like fourth the lead and top five or something like that. So I thought, okay. So I crossed out the second hand portion. <laughs> you and alloys. Yeah, the fifth hole. Yeah, and then the fifth hole. I wanted this in it. I want the, oh, the, yeah, the tenth yeah. hole. I can I can afford this now. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. and it was, that's what I was doing the whole time. And the last round I was playing. I was um, thinking about um, the interior. Um, Upgrade on the engine, um, changing the brake capillaries from yellow to red. Um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, yeah, all these so things. woofers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the best uh, sound system and um, <laughs> sports exhausts. Uh, yeah, I was just doing all that the whole way, especially the last round. And w- w- did you know that that was like a sports psychology little trick, or was it just um, it's just something innate, and you go, "I'll just do this," or? That's just, I don't know, I did it myself, really. No one taught me that. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It seemed like there was a lot of serendipity to that event and to that year. Obviously, it was 10 years on from from the near miss at, at the Open, the late qualification, the late decision to play. Um, and then you found yourself, obviously, you shot one over round one. It seemed like it was a struggle for the field in round two, where then you shot one under, you got yourself back to even par. How did you then find sleeping on a lead 10 years on after round three? 54 holes in, in a major. 
difference to 95? Well, uh, completely different. Um, in 95, I did a big mistake. Um, all of a sudden, I was the flavor of the month, and uh, all of these management groups were trying to grab me. Uh, so one particular managing group, which I won't say, uh, said, look, Michael, since you're living in, um, in Dundee, we can organize a helicopter for you. I heard this, yeah. To St. Andrews. I thought, wow, that'd be great. Big mistake. So we get to the airport in Dundee, waiting and waiting for this helicopter ride. Well, it's 45 minutes late. So, but it's, it's, I take full responsibility for that because I changed my routine. Yeah. So we finally get there, but obviously the, the helipad's miles away from the, um, from the golf practice course, yeah. driving range. So we, I said to the guy, we hopped in the van, I said, go on the footpath, I don't care, otherwise I'm going to miss my tea time. My tea time was at 2.35. I got to the helipad about 2. <laughs> so, we got to the, so we got to the uh, driving range about 10 past 2. I hit three shots. And then you got to drive back to the first. I had two practice putts. Now I'm on the first tee. Away you go. Leading the biggest tournament. Adrenaline pump and heart rate through the roof. Stress. I nearly missed a fairway on the first yeah. hole. Yeah. So and that's a big fairway. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big fairway. <laughs> it shows you how much stress and pressure. And yeah. That. So that was so comparing that to um, you know being four shots off the lead with one round to play. At, uh, in Pinehurst, it's, it's totally because I was out of control. You had a warm up. You were fine then. You, know? <laughs> yeah, you were around. You were chilled. Yeah. <laughs> I had a warm up there, and uh, it was. Um, but funny enough, I, I actually had um, lunch with um, Retief Goosen on yeah. the last day, and we're because we're, Goosen and I are very, very good friends. He's probably one of my closest friends on on tour. We're sitting down having lunch, and um, because obviously he's last off, I'm sitting to last off, and we're talking about the family and t talking about car seats for his child and prams and stuff like that. It was just a normal conversation. He, he actually looked, I thought, okay, he's going to win this because he looks controlled, calm, collected. He thought, okay, probably comes second or third in this, in this event. So I, I didn't concede, but uh, I thought it was going to be a, a tough battle to, to actually catch him. And then all of a sudden after six, seven holes, I was leading. Yeah. That's an unbelievable story. Yeah. So then when it comes to the final round, obviously when you were playing in, in 95 at the Open, and at this point by 2005, you've had lots of experience playing with and competing against Tiger. It's different when it comes to a major. It's different when it's in America. How do you handle the Tiger roars? Because he was giving it everything. Oh, yeah. Day. Yeah, I think he had like five birdies the last nine holes, something like that. It was, it was incredible. And it, you, you could hear, probably hear every birdie. Oh yeah, like every, every shot, yeah. every shot. He, he, he was what, a group or two in front of you. He's, One he's in front, in front no, of I think I think he's in front of me. Yeah. Well, uh, once again, um, I'm going to share with you a couple of stories. Um, I remember standing on the tenth tee, and his playing partner Peter Heblum mm. had a ruling on par five. That's like five ten minutes, right? Okay. That seems like ten yeah. hours. I'm standing on the tee waiting for the ruling and for the drop, and you know all that sort of stuff, and then. A phrase came into my mind. Uh, it was something like, uh, see this as an opportunity, not a threat. Okay. That was a pretty powerful thing. So what I was doing automatically, I was filling up my cup with all this good stuff. So it was overflowing with positive thoughts and, and processes. And so there's nothing. 
And I knew, I know I can say it now, but I knew that it wasn't going to beat me because I just felt invincible. Wow. And uh, another thing I want to share with you is, <laughs> which is kind of weird, uh, no one taught me this. Maybe the golfing gods taught me this, but every time Tiger had a, a good shot or hold a putt for birdie or whatever, I tipped my hat. And um, I tipped my hat and my caddy said to me, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm... <sighs> It's going to sound weird. It's going to sound weird, okay? I said, I'm transferring the energy from the crowds through Tiger. Um, so it's deflecting off Tiger towards me, so they're cheering for me. It, it didn't make sense at the time, but now it does. Yeah. Wyndham Clark said the exact same thing after he won. He said that his, um, his psychology coach said the same thing. Anytime anyone cheers for Ricky or Rory, just absorb it as if they're cheering for you. Well, there you go. Did the exact same thing. So uh, I did that, what, nine, ten years ago? There you go, so, trendsetter. Yes, old stuff now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what does that win mean to you? I mean, obviously, I, it was huge for, for New Zealand, and, but coming from, obviously, Maori background, you're the first Maori to win a major, second New Zealander to win ever a, win a major. Yeah. Like, that's the stuff of dreams. Well, I think it broke a lot of barriers. Um, that's one thing that motivated people. Said to me, what's your why in life or in golf? And my why has always been... To prove to the to people around the world that Maoris can play golf as well as rugby and rugby league, you know, yeah. uh, the other sports we can play. So I think well, it broke, was that a pressure on you, or was it just motivation? Was, was it just I, this is what purely I motivation? It's amazing. It was, it was no pressure whatsoever. So when I won it, and I, and, uh, I had this amazing um, you know, feedback from 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 my country, it was I went home for for like ten days. Uh, on a, on you, a tour, you, you were you, you, they give you a parade or yeah, yeah, wasn't there? Parade, there, I heard was, there, was, there was, was thousands it was, at it. Like. It was ridiculous, um, and I was a little bit uh, taken back by that. How much you know, people embraced my one, my win. Um, but I think it, and uh, what I did, I <laughs> because I was playing, I playing, I was playing the USPGA after that, and uh, I said to my management group, I said, I want to go home for ten days and share my success with my people. Yeah, they go, Are you crazy? I said, No, just do it. I did it, and uh, it was the best thing I ever done in my life. I went to all different schools around, around, around uh, the uh, what do you call it? The low decile, it's kind of disadvantaged schools. Yeah, yeah disadvantaged schools. Just to you know, I went around to like ten different schools and spoke about my my uh, my, my victory and how you can you know, because you know when I grew up, you know, uh, I told my parents that I'm going to be a golf professional, and I thought I thought I was crazy. All my relatives, all my you know, people around my friends said I was crazy. No, that's, that's impossible. I mean, no, no Maori is going to win a major or turn professional. That's not how it is. That's not what we do. That's what we do. We play rugby. We play rugby, rugby league, and you know, and yeah. other sports, not, not golf. Mm. So that was more of a motivation for me to prove them wrong. Where does the U.S. Open trophy sit? Oh, it's on my mental piece there at home. Yeah, I mean... You know, I, I don't really... Do you look back on it often? Well, it's, it's always the week of the US Open. Um, I look back and thinking, wow, I actually did that. And I look back at it and thinking, it's really hard to win. <laughs> it's really, really hard to win. Yeah. <laughs> Any major. Yeah. Especially with Tiger and his pump. Yeah. Like, and people forget, like... Like he was yeah, 2005 he, Tiger. Like yeah, he, he, he had two majors. Did he have two majors the next following Yeah, he did. He, he, yeah. He, won, he won Augusta. Yeah. And then uh, he came second to me. He wasn't very happy about that, let me tell you. Uh, another story. Um, so after I signed my card, I was in the locker room 
And my wife at the time said to me, just wash your face and get ready for the Wolves media, right? Yeah, of course. So I'm standing at the basin, washing my face, crying, happy, and that sort of mixed emotions, just obviously very happy, elated, all those wonderful words. And um, I hear I hear clicking of, of shoes. I know it's tigers. He wears, he wears spikes. He wears spikes, He yeah. just went to the toilet. He's right next to me, washing his hands. And we're pretty good mates. He dried his hands and walked off. He didn't say a thing to me. Thinking that's weird, but obviously he's still in the heat of the battle. He's still pissed off, yeah. you know. That he, he he lost because he wanted to have a grand slam, and I stopped him. And but he came back to me after, tapped me on the shoulder, he said, "Well done, Michael." So that was nice to get that accolade from probably the best player that we've ever seen. But you beat him again after that uh, again, didn't you? When he was running for something like I, I with that, you know, people say they had they have the fear when Tiger coming up the leaderboard. How did you feel when when you were going head to head with Tiger? I, I I embraced it. I embraced it. I thought this is fun. This is my playground. You know, this has some fun. That's where you want to be, isn't it? You want to be competing with and beating the best of the yeah, best. Yeah, I mean, because he won Augusta and he won he won the Open. Yeah. You know, two months after that, so he's you know, to beat Tiger in his prime, to me uh, is is nothing better. I think the, the the fact he was probably annoyed or pissed off probably shows exactly the kind of place he was in and, and how big of course, it was. Of course, and then and then if he if he knows in the in the um, uh, in the what do you call it the ceremony, he was there. No one second never goes second never goes to you yeah know, they to, never to hang the, around yeah to, to the prize uh, ceremony. So it was a nice gesture from him to actually. Be on stage with me, you know. That was that was a nice gesture, and I think I think through Steve Williams because he's obviously Steve Williams is a his Kiwi caddy and, well. and a Kiwi. He told you know he, he wanted to show respect, so that was nice. Yeah, that was stunning. Um, I think we don't want to take up too much more of your time. Good luck this week. Um, you en- you entered this pr- pretty late, so I, I, I think <laughs> That's if, a good if, sign. if that should forms we to go, the, should off, we nip to the bookies? Well, yeah, <laughs> I got nipped under the bookies. Back in a few minutes. Um, good luck this week. Thank you very much for having a chat with us. Like I said, the first major winner we've had in the podcast. Uh, we've we've really wanted to have you on for a long, long time, and just very serendipitous that you're on the week after the US Open. Yeah, exactly. But um, I, it's, thanks, guys. But I, I really enjoy sharing my stories because. All you see really is guys like Wyndham, for example, winning last week and, and other players too winning majors that the, the backstories are more interesting, I think, than the actual winning it <laughs> and how it all transpires. So That's the thing that really got us involved or really enjoying this podcast was you, you see people play in between the ropes and you see someone hit a good shot, a bad shot, but there's so much context to the person oh, yeah. behind that. And yeah. like hearing stories like yours and getting to spend 40 minutes chatting with you is honestly just so much fun for Good. us. Thank All right, you. guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. 